listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 458. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with season one of the Fox series Fringe. And we are going to talk about the penultimate episode in this here podcast. And obviously, you guys are getting it a day or two late in your feed, but hopefully you enjoyed our uh, Doctor Who discussion. It was fun as usual. Yeah. Always enjoy talking about Doctor Who, yeah. even if we're not 100% jazzed about the uh, the episode itself. Yeah. Now, Linda Bond has a great post in the feedback group in kind of response to our podcast, and she makes a lot of great points. And, you know, I, I think during our discussion, you mentioned that even mediocre Who is better than, you know, 90% of everything else that's out there and and i gave a number you disputed yeah (laughs) right but but your point is well taken and i i think at the end of the day we both enjoyed it it's just that we have high expectations for doctor who and yes and and linda brings up a a lot of good points but i i think at the end of the day and at the end of this run i I think the, the the main point she makes that that i i really feel bad that this is going to be you know, how history views Jodie Whittaker's doctor. And, and it's a result of just poor writing that we've said on many occasions. I think she's been great. I think the acting has been good. It's just the scripts have been weak. And, and again, not to belabor it because we did that in the bonus episode that you guys can check out in your feed. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just I was quickly reading over her, her rereading her uh her post. Yeah, that she she makes some good points there, especially about how um the idea of, you know, that how much covid has um impacted um the production especially in the UK um that we probably tend to take that for granted and um yeah, and and that uh like yeah, this episode maybe not being as good that you know we won't you know, posterity won't take that into consideration. That's that's a, that's a. I love reading things I didn't think of before. Like that's a great point. You know, I I I feel like stupid. I haven't thought about that, but that's an outstanding point about uh, we should have considered when looking at that episode. But yep. Now, for what we're watching this time, we're going to be extremely brief because uh, you know we want to have time to edit this podcast and get it out to you as quickly as possible. So for me. I'm going to talk about Yellow Jackets, which is airing on Showtime next week, and you are? Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about The Batman, which uh, came out on HBO Max a week ago. Nice. I did see that and might even check it out. But it's three hours, Dave. Really? Oh, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll, let's get to Fringe. And this is episode 19 of season one, the penultimate episode, The Road Not Taken. Teleplay by Jeff Pinkner and J.R. Orsi. Story by Akiva Goldsman. Directed by Frederick E. Otoye. Aired on May 5th, 2009. So when I look at that title, The Road Not Taken, and given everything we get in this episode, and certainly looking ahead to uh, the season finale, episode 20, does this imply that Olivia had a choice at some point whether conscious or otherwise and and we don't get an answer but um, i mean is there anything else about the title that strikes you well i mean no it's it's definitely obviously and and blatantly um about about choices and but i don't know if it's about um olivia's choices okay 
because we really get a sense that she didn't have a lot of agency in what has happened to her so far. Okay. So, so more Walter's choices than the ones he's made. Yes. Okay. And, and I I guess, right. And I guess if you look at it, Peter made a, a pretty life altering choice to come back to the States and be his father's caretaker for, you know, this period of time. And while Walter's certainly gotten a lot better, Peter's under no illusion that he can simply turn his father loose. It's like baby steps. And, and, you know, I, I think we see that in these last two episodes. I, I know you, you've seen episode 20 recently. Yeah. Obviously we both saw the, you know, season, you know, years and years ago. And I, I watched episode 20 yesterday. So, um, you know, so, so that Walter's decision-making certainly, you know, is a, a big part of these final two episodes. But but in this episode, obviously investigating William Bell and ZFT, it, you know, we've reached this crossroads. And, you know, again, it, it, this is 2009, and you look at where we are in 2022, I mean, this is like the federal government trying to investigate uh, Jeff Bezos or uh, what's the dude that just bought Twitter? Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not going to go quietly into that good night no. and allow the government to in- investigate them. So whether or not I think it would have the same impact back in 2009, not sure. Regardless, William Bell's not going to make it easy on Olivia Dunham and her FBI team for sure. Or at least Nina Sharp's not going to. Yeah, right, right, she, right. You know, went straight out to uh, Boston from New York to just to basically glare at Broyles. And I thought about that. I actually looked up just to double check. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Master Dynamics is in New York. I'm like, it is. She came up from New York to Boston for like basically 30 seconds of glaring, and then she left. Yeah. Like, and that relationship between Broyles and Nina Sharp is one of the most fascinating in the series because as soon as we think we know what's going on between the two of them, something happens that just throws those assumptions completely out the window. And and, and again, as you said, this is an episode that throws everything that we thought we knew out the window. But you know, in the opening scene, Broyles is briefing a new larger team that, that certainly is run by Charlie and Olivia with the task to take on ZFT. And he acknowledges the two opponents in this war remain unknown. But more to the point, he wants them to find an actionable link between Bell and ZFT. And, and of course, we think we know what that link is in terms of the manifesto whether or not that's actionable in a court of law uh, is quite another right you know quite another situation but yeah a lot of stuff that zft is doing you don't think is really gonna yeah would would um yeah would 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 it's something that you could actually bring up in in a court of law so yeah it could be tough to prosecute Right. Now, the the one thing we do have to start paying attention to in this episode is which world we're in. And, yeah. And, and one of the ways is, you know, we can see Broyles is wearing his jacket in one. I believe he's wearing the same tie in both worlds. But in one, 
jacket on, the other jacket off, and one he's got his office you just arranged. Said jacket off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a while, dude. Uh, I'll uh, never I, grow up. Nicely never, done. Ever. Nicely right, done. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know you mentioned Nina coming to glare at broils and, and basically she doesn't say very much but the, the the key message she wants to impart is that william bell is not the enemy and of course as soon as she says that we're thinking like okay william bell is the enemy well, yeah he's exactly <laughs> what the enemy would say right right and she tells him that well you can't question him because he's and i'll make an air quotes traveling well, given everything we're learning here, what the hell does that mean? Traveling. Um, traveling in time, traveling in space, traveling between universes, all of the above. Yeah, so, right, right. Well, yeah, especially we see, you know, for sure, you know, we've, now we have actually witnessed um, the Olivia going from one universe to the next. So and we knew, <clears throat> we didn't know it was, I mean, we, we, you know, we knew it was coming. Right. But here's the first time we actually see it. So, yeah, like when she says William Bell's not here, he's, is, is he in that other world, right? That's, that's I think most people would kind of make that assumption. Well, right. When she says he's traveling, well, you know, he's got a damn cell phone. Get him on the phone. I guess FaceTime yeah. wasn't a thing back then and or Zoom at, at that point. Definitely but, not, yeah. Um, so whether or not there were actually, you know, video programs that would allow us to do, you know, what we're easily able to do now, I, I certainly don't remember. But, but we're not done with the incidents, and, and we see this frantic woman boarding a bus, gets off the bus, and then what appears to be a spontaneous combustion. But in terms of you know, what we usually think that just catches fire she also explodes so a little yes. nice touch well you know like that it's kind of painful watching because probably everyone has been ill at one point and you know well especially when you have a stomach ache and you're getting sick and you're throwing up and like you know it's coming and you're just like no i don't want to throw up again i'll just uh, i'm just gonna try and not make it happen and you're like ah oh, it's gonna happen you know you just kind of realization that there's nothing you can do, and then it happens, and it's just all terrible. And that's kind of like the vibe I got from this. Obviously, that is something you survive, but what happened to her, you do not. But just that that awful feeling of knowing kind of what you don't want to happen. You really don't want to happen. It's going to happen, and there's nothing you can do about it. So ultimately, you just have to try and have it happen where it's not so bad. Right. And just as we think the team is on to something, has another clue, Harris reappears, tells them to drop the case. Massive Dynamic is the government's biggest contractor. Do I make myself clear? And Olivia is doing what, what she's been doing for virtually the entire season. You know, you're not going to let get more evidence, Olivia. I mean, if she yeah. doesn't understand that Burles has got her back at this right. point. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, this is just absolutely ludicrous with Sanford Harris now. And we, we see later on why, but, you know, which is, and he's like, I'm your commanding officer. I'm like, 
Are you, though? Like, the last time I checked, you're not actually in the FBI, Sanford. So, you know, his whole role was just... And I guess, you know, now I can stop complaining about it a little more because clearly they're just setting us up to show how powerful ZFT or William Bell or whatever it is that that they were able to get this this guy who is disgraced not only back but back in a position of power, you know. Right, and I guess you could argue that's how much power William Bell clearly has within the government. And in fact, we don't know which prime minister Nina's on the phone with. Yeah, I mean, there's prime ministers everywhere. But the point is, she gets another call and says, Prime Minister, hang on a minute. (laughs) And he puts the prime minister on hold. saying, you know, not necessarily like... The British Prime Minister. Well, you know? okay, I guess, but uh, there's Prime Ministers all over the place. Yeah, I know, even Canada but, has one for crying out loud. But Astrid's <laughs> searching dental records to try to ID this victim who has obviously been charred terribly. They get a hit. Go to search the apartment. Did you notice the closet of the young woman? I don't know. Was the observer in there? No, but her clothes were all black and gray. Uh, well, her, 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 and, and, no, go ahead. Sorry. Well, well, we eventually learned she, you know, it does seem as if she was part of that Jacksonville study or, or, or at least one of the studies. I can't remember if we find out it was Jacksonville or not. Yes. They were the twins. They were from Jacksonville. Right. But that clearly she is one of these people like, like Nick, like Olivia, who has been, essentially instructed to you know dress in these colors and 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 prepare for you know this this coming war right well it's notable because her apartment is very spartan like they there's hardly anything there's no decorations no pictures no nothing and then when they go to her sister's apartment it's like the complete opposite you know right right like she has bright pictures of well i'm at this though i'm sure you recognize the actress oh yeah 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 Okay. Um, now, what one thing, the first thing that came to my mind, which I doubt is the first thing that came to your mind, is that in the limited but incredibly awesome series, Life on Mars, she plays Sam Tyler's mom. Oh, okay. And she was also had a big role in Hell on Wheels, which is also an amazing show. Those are two shows right now, if you haven't seen, you could do much worse than going and I don't even know where you could binge either of them, especially Life on Mars. But uh, if you can find them, they're both well worth it. Yeah, Hell on Wheels has been uh, suggested to me on many occasions. And, and, and again, I, I just don't know why I haven't checked it out. Have but, you seen uh, Deadwood? You've seen Deadwood, right? Well, you know what? I quit after season two. Oh, it, it just dude, seemed to get... Oh, my God. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. But of course, I mean, you know her. I'm sure you, the first thing that came to your mind is probably as Rebecca Mason in Falling Skies, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we've talked many times about shipping Olivia and Peter, but we also talk a, a significant amount about their working relationship and how it's evolving. And, and this is just, I think, my favorite way that these two work, that, that they go in to question you know, this guy that runs this conspiracy website, and, and of yeah. course, we recognize him as uh, Ron Howard's younger brother, Clint. No, might be older brother. I'm not sure, but regardless. Is that Ron Howard's brother? Yeah, Clint Howard. No way. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. I just know him as Booger from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. 
Yeah, well-known character actor. Yeah. But Olivia goes guns blazing with her questions, and dude is not afraid of her. And Peter just cuts in and immediately diffuses any of the damage that uh, Olivia has done, knows how to relate to this guy. Obviously, he has his Star Trek uh, historical figures and uh, you know in in, uh, in his pocket that he can bring out as he is oh so that would make you Spock yeah yeah live long and prosper well but, you know what's what's wild about that is when he starts talking he's like dead on with everything he says right yeah like holy cow this guy knows everything and then he's like oh it's a big Star Wars or Star Trek you know conspiracy it's like well, that took a turn. Yeah, so it goes from the one hand, we're like almost leaning forward, just like, you know, Peter and Olivia have to be thinking, how the hell does this guy know all this stuff? And then all of a sudden it takes this really weird turn, but that doesn't, you know, it doesn't 100%, I'm not going to say it doesn't at all discredit, because of course it makes him seem much less credible. But still, the fact that he knows so much of what's going on, like, what's that all about? Well, yeah, and Olivia, of all people, you know, I mean, obviously it's just her and Peter, but she's ready to shove aside all the Star Trek references because of just the, the, the things you said, that, that everything he started with is exactly what we already know or suspected. So she's not ready to discount him. If anything, she sees him as a legitimate source, source despite the Star Trek Spock conspiracy mumbo jumbo. I love how they finally get on to Harris, right? That that you know that whole thing. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But you know when they go to the one sister's apartment and Peter notices the melted glass on the window, and it's like, okay, well I'll suspend my disbelief at this point. Use a glass cutter, cut it out, digitize right. it, and all that. But then. When she hears the dial tones, holds her phone up, and it's Harris on the other end. It's like, WTF? Yeah, whoa, I didn't see that one. Yeah, okay. Thought he was a dick, but not this big. And yeah, I'm letting so, that one go. Yeah, I know. As soon as I said it. <laughs> um, but, but now they have... You know, something actionable, ironically, because he's the one, you know, what will, you know, I guess actually it was Broyles that wanted the actionable evidence. So now they've got somebody to follow, and we hear him on the phone with somebody. He's losing patience. He wants her active. Given everything we get by the end of the episode, is he William Bell, we assume, unless there's some, or is it Jones, perhaps, if Jones is still in the equation? We do not know who's on the phone. Okay. But I, I guess given all the things we're hearing about William Bell, that's my first yeah. thought is that he's losing patience, wants but if he, he's so I mean, obviously, he's not, he's not available to the people who are trying to investigate him. Right. But that's the only thing that might give me pause there. I'm like, you know, Nina's pretty adamant about it. He's just like not on the grid or not. He can't be accessed. So Right. Right. Harris does think that he can't be accessed by, uh, God, I can't remember what the young woman's name is, uh, but, you know, she's strapped down in that little room. Olivia oh, gets locked uh, in with her. Nancy? 
Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> but uh, Harris thinks he's safe, and 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 I love the way Olivia just talks her down, calms her down, focus your energy, and we know that Olivia is not saying focus your heat ray on Harris, but I think that's just the natural thing for her to do is to get the person that has done this to me. And, and even though it was probably Walter Bishop and William Bell many years ago that, that did this to her, her, her immediate supervisor happens to be Harris at this point. So, you know, watching him catch fire and then explode. Uh, yes, that, that was, that was nice. Yeah, very in a gruesome way, satisfying, and and that's you know I feel a little bad about saying that, but you know, like we knew he was gonna get his comeuppance, and we didn't expect it to come. You know, I didn't think I, again, I totally couldn't remember what happened to him, so it was just like able to relive that satisfaction of of seeing him get burned to a crisp yeah now you know, before we get into the the main story about olivia and what i'm just calling her slippage um you just this one little aspect comes up where walter seems to want to absolve william bell of wrongdoing he claims that bell was many things but he's not a madman well, you know, Walter, all evidence to the contrary, uh, it, it appears as if he is a madman. But when he brings up the fact that there are references to a chapter on ethics in the manifesto, but it appears to be missing, somebody removed the chapter, original copies, maybe somewhere in the lab where Bell wrote it. So it, it takes us back to when we first saw the typewriter and that that I forget whatever you would call it with the letter Y and yeah, that's how yeah, he determined right. that that and we said that okay Walter may not have written it but it was done on his typewriter and then we of course we learn well it's Bell's typewriter and he claims Bell wrote it but I don't think we're necessarily ready to a hundred percent believe Walter at this point if for no other reason than Walter has by his own admission said many times i don't remember i don't recall i don't recall nice little gabriel no uh marjorie taylor green oh yeah that's oh my god (laughs) right yeah yeah yeah. she must have serious cognitive problems if she can't recall right talking to the president but anyway whatever so (laughs) i i just found that you know interesting because i think we can also look at that willingness or desire to absolve bell as really the desire to absolve himself and you know whether it's for the outside people to forgive him for what he's done or maybe even more importantly for him to forgive himself but yeah well there's also the the aspect there of like you know if someone that you knew or know and you find out they did something pretty bad and you're like you know i never got that vi-, you know like i don't i can't believe you know, like your first thought is i can't believe that that someone that i know would be capable of such a thing right or that that person when you know in my experience 
was never did that. That's why you know even like the worst person on trial for something can find someone to come in and say they're not like that, right? Well, um, sure. So yeah, you know, I, I think that there's kind of like that aspect of it too. That from his experience with William Bell, of, of course, his experience being one that's only you know partially remembered. Uh, but in that experience, he he can't imagine William Bell doing these things, right? And, and then that leads us to that scene towards the end of the episode when Olivia confronts Walter in the diner. What did you do to us? Or she might say, "What did you do to me?" But I think she's certainly speaking for all the other children that were, you know, experimented on when they were. I think she even says somewhere as young as three years old. I'm not sure how she knows that at this point, but maybe it's some file that Nina gave her. But you know, regardless. Um, but you know, this this episode is so much about acknowledging the power that Olivia possesses even though not only doesn't she really understand what's happening clearly she doesn't have any way to control it at this point you know the the team is on the scene and again walter and peter are kind of just you know a little banter about mythology well myth is just an unverified fact well okay i think they're talking about spontaneous human combustion at that point but olivia tells walter she'll get the bodies sent to the lab and then we, we realize that the others only see one body. Right. And, and you know, that's our first clue that, okay, is there some sort of slippage? Is she seeing into the other universe at this point? And, yeah. Well, I don't think I, I thought that even at this point. You know, just like I just thought, well, that's weird. But I, I don't know if I'm ready to go at, at that point if I'm ready to think, oh, okay. oh, she's going to another universe. It's just uh, uh, a, right. Yeah. Right, right, and and I guess to be fair, I'm probably thinking at at this point it's an effect of the Cortexafan trials just kicking in because certainly we're seeing other of the Cortexafan kids who are now adults being activated or having some sort of other psychological physical issues. So you know, probably thinking it's something along those lines. But then when she goes to update Broyles and comments that he's changed his office furniture. And he doesn't say anything, but we, we've, we know Broyles well enough that the the look he's giving her, it's like, well, what the hell are you even talking about? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Like, what do you want about? Like, Yeah. You know, and he's just like, whatever. Like, right. I don't have time for this. Right, but then there's this confusion as to whether or not there are one victim or are there two victims. And... He shows her a photo with two bodies. The, you know, we get the visual disruption, and then Broyles walks into his office for an update. We're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. uh, is this, again, is this temporal? Which, I mean, it's fringe. It could be you know, time travel. We already have teleportation on on in play, so we know that's a thing. And, and time travel, yeah. while Walter's experiment apparently failed i mean you know is this a time loop i mean i don't think we've seen any time loops in fringe in this season but that seems to be uh what it is except broils one you know 
call it the alt. You know, you, you didn't see. Uh, oh God, I can't think of the word. Uh, the the show now that uh, counterpart. I did not know. Right where where you you know you've got to come up with a label for each world and and uh-huh. i think they came one was prime and i forget what the other was but but in in the one we see he's got no jacket as i said before and the other one he's got a jacket clearly she's confused do you think she's worried that perhaps she's losing her mind at this point i don't think so because she figures it out pretty quickly okay you know whereas what was was it just last episode no. The, you know, the episode where she thought she was killing everyone, right? Oh, yes. Right. And, um, and right, and we learned that it was Nick. Right. Right. So, she, you know, she thought that whole time she, she thought, like, I'm, I'm going insane, right? Yeah. Like, she was doubting her own sanity. She doesn't really have that, that crisis this time around. Like, this time she's like, okay, it's not me something else is going on and she figures it out pretty quickly yeah and it's actually able to use it to her advantage right I and mean, she uses it to help solve her case right right but yeah that's a good point you make it, it, because of that having happened to her and that there is a logical explanation right within the fringe world it's as logical as it's going to get yeah so that she probably assumes this is some sort of a byproduct there but even even before we get to the, the the final vision that she has, she and Charlie track down the lawyer who whose name was on that check. I think her name is Susan Pratt. Now that I've got it in my notes here, yes, Susan and, and Nancy uh, Pratt. Pratt, you're right. I love because this is Olivia Dunham. I want to say by the book FBI agent, but you know that book is getting increasingly again thrown away and yeah, I there's love a charlie's, lot of appendices in, in the yes, book yeah. I, I love charlie's reaction when she pulls out her little tools to break in he's like um i wasn't here i don't know what you're doing yeah. but he's like if we get caught right. i don't know you at all right but they get in there they they find out what they need to find out and then she's back on the street and she sees the city in an apocalyptic scene and then when Charlie comes to her, she kind of snaps back. And and I guess it's the impact, the power of that scene that leads her then to, you know, seek out Walter's help. And, you know, where she asks him essentially the same thing that Susan Pratt had on her uh, answering machine. What the hell is happening to me? But, you know, seeing broils in two different you know, jacket, no jacket, furniture here, furniture there. That Those are one thing, but seeing the city in an apocalyptic way is right. quite another. And yeah, yeah. given all this that we've heard about this coming war, you know, like, like us, she's putting two and two together. It's like, okay, is this a, the war between the worlds? And, and of course, that's what we're certainly, you know, led to believe. And you know, when she does talk to Walter and, and brings up, you know, he brings up the pliability of space time. And, you know, I like his explanation for deja vu. I guess it makes sense. I mean, I feel like I've been somewhere before. It's because you have. 
Right. Right. Okay. Right. All right. I'm, I'm liking that. So then he's almost like anybody that experiences deja vu, which I assume is pretty much everybody. Everybody has that ability to travel between worlds. I don't know if I'm ready to make that leap. But. Yeah. That's a bit of a stretch. <clears throat> I, well, I, I think, you know, Walter's, what I guess I assume he's saying is that there's just some kind of connection that we still have. Even though we don't literally travel from one world to the next, we still have some kind of maybe like psychic, spiritual, whatever you call it, connection between us and those those other selves of ours who are just the byproducts of choices that we've made. Yep. And, you know, like us, Olivia probably at least hoped that, you know, viewing the coming apocalypse was, or not even coming apocalypse, the the simultaneous apocalypse that, that is just going on somewhere else, probably hopes that that's it her little talk with Walter maybe calmed her down or whatever, but nope, she she goes to the office and and there seems to be a whole different tenor to everything that's going on in this office. That that everything seems to be a bit more frantic. Much more intense. Yes. What about Charlie? Charlie's super intense. And he's got the scar. And he's got the scar. So, you know, yeah. whereas like Broyles jacket no jacket and now it's like charlie scar no scar so we we clearly know that that we're in a unless we assume that olivia is simply hallucinating and has lost touch with reality which no we're not we're not no well, because she that says way. that she's you know i mean she she purposefully travels like i don't know she she don't she, I can't remember how she does it. Like she gets upset about something, right? But knowing that, like she wants, she's figured it out, and so she purposefully travels to the other world in order to to find out about the you know the, the two bodies that they found there. Right. You know, we've we've talked a lot about scenes that I think either of us, probably both of us at some point or another had, had termed them sweet scenes, whether between Peter and his dad or Peter and Olivia or Olivia and Walter. But here we get this really emotional scene and John Noble, who, who plays Walter Bishop was just phenomenal. And I don't want to make light of uh, Olivia, you know, played by uh, Anna Torv when she confronts him at the diner what the hell did you people do to us? You were there and you knew. And his explanation, as best as he can at this point, because he he's just on the verge of tears. And, and again, she walks out and Peter finds his father sobbing. We were trying to prepare you. Something terrible is coming. And of course, we can put two and two together. It's this war, even though the terms are still rather vague at this point, but but still... You know, you understand it, and it's like, like I'm thinking, like, ooh, I don't know if I want to be around when Peter next finds Olivia. If Walter tells Peter that the reason I'm sobbing is this confrontation I just yeah, had with Olivia, Olivia so, yelled at me. Yeah, but I don't know. But uh, what about Peter? Yeah, but, but, that, but you're right. That was that oh, was a, that was a great scene, and we really see you know again. <clears throat> we've, we we. We've been mentioning pretty much from the beginning of the show these paradoxical aspects of Walter. Like on the one hand, he's a very sympathetic character. He's like that kind of loopy, goofy, crazy, 
uncle, great uncle, you know. The other hand, he's clearly done some pretty monstrous things. So will the real Walter Bishop please stand up, you know? And, and that, that scene really encapsulates that because here we see that that the first Walter, but Olivia's challenging him on things that the second Walter has done. Right. And, um, you know, the, the, the one thing about Walter and having to come to terms with what he's done in his past, his relationship with not only Olivia, but more with his son Peter as an adult now, I think we, we realize that there is hope for redemption in, in this this character because as we've said many times we don't want to make that leap that you know wow walter bishop's not evil he's he's a nice guy well what are we basing that on the the fact that he looks like somebody's kindly grandpa because he brings a slurpee to a crime scene yeah i mean we know these monstrous things that he's done in his past so you know again that's the beauty of of the way they've set up all of these story arcs, but I was going to ask you about Peter's project, which is mm-hmm. kind of vaguely introduced that uh, I thought that was pretty cool. That was cool. And then that's another great scene um, between Peter and, and Walter, because, you know, like Peter is, he's proud that he got to do, you know, it's, he's almost like that little boy who, Hey dad, I made this for you. And like, and dad loves it. He approves of your gift. And, that that look he gets is just like you know like Joshua Jackson does such a great job there, and then also you know Walter who has gotten really nothing but kind of grief lately from Peter, you know that idea like oh my my boy my son made this for me you know that that pride and that that love between them that's uh, it was just a really really uh, nice scene there between the you know father son scene yeah way better than the popsicle. Uh, napkin holder that he made him when he was like five or six or whatever it was. But, but you know, and yes, that was great. But, but even the little things like between Peter, uh, I'm sorry, between Walter and Astrid, uh, Astrid, give me the electron microscope. Uh, Peter cannibalized it for parts for a project he's working on. Then later on, well, I need the Geiger counter. Uh, That's gone too. (laughs) So, you know, so that was pretty cool. And then as it turns out, you know, we know why Peter has put together this project. I mean, he, he tells his dad so he can digitize his vinyl collection, but he's able to use it, um, you know, to to solve the crime, which obviously leads them to Harris through the uh, the dial tone. So that was pretty effing cool for sure. Um, if if that's, I mean, I I think it seems like that's kind of a thing potentially. Yeah, I mean, I would. I look. I it have to. Like, oh, I got an app that can you know figure out the phone number from hearing the dial tone. Like, well, I gotta believe okay. in 2022 that we've got those things. Right, right. I, I'm assuming 2009. Well, look, 2009. I mean, it's you know we weren't that backwards then, it's but still, like they're still rocking flip phones. So, yeah, so. good point. Good point. Um, and, and then the last thing, the return of the observer. You know, Nina shows up at Broyles handsome that folder. Yeah, right. Well, right. <laughs> Well, we saw him talk at the ah, diner. That's to right. Walter. He did talk before. Right. Or, or did he? No, he did. He did. did he? Um, and and she shows him photos. These were all taken in the last twenty four hours. You know what happened the last time he appeared? Uh, okay, what happened? <laughs> uh, yeah. So so we don't know. Actually, I think we we do know, but we're not going to say it at this point. 
And then, of course, Walter finds the original manuscript among his vinyl, reads aloud. He thinks he's reading it aloud to Astrid, but it turns out to be the observer who tells him it's time to go. And that's when they leave together. Nina enters this posh apartment building, takes an elevator, and gets shot by masked men. I mean, it appears that she's been trank dart, but, you know, who knows at this point. So, uh, no, I mean, I don't know. You, you thought it was a actual. I feel like she actually got shot. Yeah. Okay. Tranquilizers okay. don't make like a noise like that. Well, that's true as well. Yeah. 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 So um, what else you want to bring up that we didn't talk about yet? <clears throat> well, uh, when they go to Susan Pratt's house, they kind of linger over her bookshelf, especially one book in particular. Did you, oh, yes. Yes. You picked that up? Yeah. Childhood End. That, uh, I did. And, if you want to hear a podcast on the Childhood End. Oh, my. Can you believe I forgot about that? Oh, I can't God. believe you forgot about that. Yeah. I'm not sure where that's actually posted anymore. I'm not sure if I have the audio. I'll have to look. It's... Uh, it's probably still on Daryl's website. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. But yeah, I'll, I'll dig up some links for that. But the other one was a book called The Hollow Earth, I think, that that caught my eye. And that's some kind of story about the Earth is you know, hollow, hollow and that there are these aliens living in, you know. But anyway, okay. anything else? Um, I love that Walter sent Peter for Frankenberry. <laughs> because yeah. uh, if you were a kid in the 70s and 80s, or even pro- probably before that, I imagine, and uh, Frankenberry wasn't up there as one of your all-time guilty pleasure cereals, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say to you. Like, yeah, I was a Count Chocula guy, but yeah, yeah. I, right, yeah, I, I have to admit, I did like Count Chocula, but you know, Frank, I mean, Frankenberry was the one. I think that didn't have like little mushrooms in it too, right? I, I, not I, mushrooms, little yeah, marshmallows, marshmallows, <laughs> marshmallows. <laughs> mushrooms. Yeah, right. Now, now you're dating yourself from your college yeah. days. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, like if if you could, if we could get mom to to bring bring us home a box of Frankenberry, that was like oh, nice. You know, because like they said, you're a cornflake. Or like that was us. We were cornflake kids. But every now and then, if we got our, you know, we're it, the one thing, the one advantage of being dragged along the grocery store was that you could potentially nag your mother into getting a cereal that she normally wouldn't buy. You know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we pretty much covered everything else that I have in my notes. I think. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, well, why don't we listen to Fred's feedback, and we will be right back to talk about that. Hello, Dave and Vane, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe Season 1, Episode 19. I gave this episode a 9 on IMDb. I was a little doubting between an A- and an A, so between an 8 and a 9. But if you see that more than 2,000... People voted there and the average is 8.6. Well, that's more or less what I wanted to give, 8.6, 8.7. So, since you only can give whole grades, that became a 9. Last podcast about episode 18, you said, why do we have to do 19? We want to go to 20. Well, this was a good episode. Uh, certainly not one to skip. Last podcast you were also some kind of secretive or preventing spoilers with the title of the season finale, which is there is more than one of everything. Well, 
about parallel universes, etc., that was already quite clear if you read stuff in the CFT manifesto. And certainly after this episode, it's not a big secret if you see Walter's drawing on the chalkboard with the alternative realities. Where also the title of this episode is mentioned, The Road Not Taken. And I was actually quite flabbergasted about this title, because currently the second season of Picard, Star Trek Picard, is running. And in the first episode of the second season, though the season two premiere not too long ago, a few weeks ago, Q reappears and he says to Jean-Luc Picard, Well, my friend, welcome to the very end, and now it comes, of the road not taken. So, quite similar, or actually completely the same. I posted a double screenshot of these two moments on the Facebook page. Of course, that Emmanuel Grayson Star Trek reference was great, uh, especially the Romulans are coming to change the timeline. Well, actually, in Star Trek Picard at the moment, they are in an alternative timeline. Well, perhaps not caused by Romulans, but nevertheless. Why does this episode get a 9 from me? Well, that's mainly because Sanford Harris is toast. Well, I'm just joking, but nevertheless, it's nice this a-hole is gone. Although he evoked the most emotional, disgusted facial expressions in Anatarv. So, I will miss that. Talking about Olivia being disgusted, I found it very good acting of Anatarv in the scene with Walter in the restaurant when Peter is shortly going to the restroom. You see that Olivia is eager to get information out of Walter and is kind of agitated, angry, and pressing him, and then he really doesn't know. He starts to cry, and then you see her face change into a kind of pity for this man that lost his memory. And then you see her facial expression shift again to a kind of resentment, a kind of, well, okay, you're pitiful, but on the other hand, you did this to me, or you stood uh, by that uh, William Bell did this. I think this is quite strong penultimate episode with quite some information. So the alternative universe becomes clearer, the CFT becomes clearer, we get revealed that it was not Walter who typed it, but it was William Bell's typewriter in Walter's lab, what we actually also predicted, more or less. Several nice open storylines. Who did Sanford Harris work for? Was that William Bell or was it somebody else? What is the role of Nina? Where does she stand? And really, what is the relation with the Observer? Obviously, uh, Broyles knows something about it, and Nina and Broyles know something the same. So there they are kind of on the same page. What we didn't see here is the David Robert Jones story. Is that a separate line, or is that something in between? Well, he is on the ZFT side as well, in the sense of being interested in it. 
So the amount of parties playing a role here could be very large. Uh, David Robert Jones, Nina, uh, is Nina on the same page as William Bell? I assume yes. Where is Walter in this whole story? Who was the boss of Sanford Harris? Who are the people that kidnap Nina in this episode working for? Where does the whole Jacksonville Cortexivan story fits into this? Special, of course, was when Olivia was in the alternative reality. Charlie said something. You worried about these twins, whereas half of Boston is in quarantine? Well, just wait a little, Charlie. Whole of Boston will be in quarantine. Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Looking forward to the last episode of season one of Fringe. Actually looking forward to the next season as well. Uh, less looking forward to Be Foreigners, but perhaps the second season is more to my liking. All right, now Fred gives this one a nine on IMDb, and I, yeah, I'm going full on A. Yeah, I was thinking A, sure, yep, I'm good with that. Um, you know, it was I, a great episode. It was a great episode, and I'm not sure what a sh- episode has to do these days to get an A plus from us, but I guess we'll know it when we uh, when we right. see it. It has to, it has to be um, uh, international assassin. Yeah, and right, isn't that the gold standard we established? Um, I don't get it. From um, the, uh, the 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 um, the leftovers. Oh, okay. What was that called? Inter- International Assassin? Was it? I saw, oh man, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, a- anyway, but that is that's an A plus. Okay. That one. I know. You got to find out what the actual name of it is. Now for this one, I, I guess I forgot how good episode one nineteen really was. Fred brings up that you know I had said a few weeks back, maybe we could just skip nineteen and get right to twenty. But yeah, you had this. You had to see twenty, a uh, nineteen before twenty. Yeah, and some people maybe went the other way around. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, certainly glad to see Harris finally meet his demise, and yeah. you know, I don't think any of us really saw him as a traitor. We just figured he was a dick. But Fred also brings up about, you know, the restaurant scene about whether or not we're supposed to feel pity for Walter or disgust. And I, I guess it's probably a little of both, wouldn't you think? Um, it's tough to not have pity as your main emotion, I think, just because it's a grown man crying. I'm not saying grown men can cry, but, you know, it's certainly very sad. And he can't remember. So, you know, it's, it's tough to, I guess, you know, the, the guy who did those terrible things, this isn't that guy. Sure. You know. Right, right. And then, you know, how does Jones fit into the whole ZFT arc at this point? So, you know, we don't know what happens with Jones. Um, whether or not we'll see him again, but I suspect we will. Yeah, well, I mean, he's... He's yeah. still in the game, so, you know. Yep. So, all right, anything else about Fred's feedback? Nope. No, okay. it's covered it. Okay. Fred, thank you. Uh, so, we're going full-on A on this one. Yeah. Yep. And uh, International Assassin is the name of the Leftovers episode. Which ep- uh, which season was it in? Do you- I, I think I, I saw uh, season two, episode eight. Oh, okay. 
which is probably the season finale. I think that might have only had eight episodes, but. Um, I feel, no, I think they had 10 episodes. Oh, okay. So I don't even think it was even the penultimate, which is what, you know, the kind of pattern HBO had established with Game of Thrones is there, you know, the ninth episode being the really, the, the wow one, right? Yeah. And then 10 is the aftermath. So. Yeah. All right. So let's move over to the spoiler zone. And as we say each week, if you haven't seen the whole series, stop listening now and come back next week. So. I mean, in terms of spoiler zone stuff, I mean, I, is it fair to say we now have proof of an alternate universe? Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Right. And yeah. There's, there's not any doubt of it at all at this point. We've firmly established that. Right. And we've established that, again, like with most uh, multiverse storylines, it's the same people in both or, you know, in the case of charlie jade and all three universes there you know i thought we agreed you weren't going to bring up that show anymore. well i didn't say the other word so (laughs) that's true all right um yeah you know so so we see Broyles is in in both worlds but i think he's the only one in in, in, along with charlie and we see the differences there so now uh, here's here's what and, and again i can't really remember but i mean we know this is a spoiler zone we say there's another olivia out there Yes. So what ha- you know, I'm like wondering, like, wait, what happened? Does she just <clears throat> appear in right. in the other world? She just pops out of nowhere, or and I can't, again, I can't remember this. It's what happens. Not do they exchange places or something? You know? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, see, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day about the spoiler zone. You know, I would suspect a lot of viewers are like us that maybe haven't watched Fringe you know, for seven, eight, nine years. And a lot of this is, is almost new, not quite, you know, you've got the general idea. So that right. are we ruining it for them? Because, you know, you, you, that, that whole line about, you know, Nina says that, well, you can't interview him because uh, William Bell is traveling. Well, yeah. I mean, we learn in episode 20, yeah, he's traveling. He's in the other universe. Right. right and right. Olivia's going to go talk to him there. So, uh, you know, certainly, you know, that that's to look forward to. Well, if, if you're in the spoiler zone, you enter right. at your own risk. Exactly. Yeah, right, right. So. But so here's the thing. And I again, I can't remember. But as I'm watching Olivia with Walter in that restaurant, I'm like, man, she's being really harsh with Walter. Fred mentioned the, the facial expressions, how it goes from one to the other and everything. And then she goes back. Like, she just kind of rolls out. She doesn't even hang around to say hi to Peter. And I'm like, was that just faux Livia? Yeah, nah. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it was, but it just seemed so, the, the whole, the, you know, the, I don't know. It just seems so weird. She just pops in balls Walter out and then leaves before Peter gets back. That just, I don't know. It just seemed really strange. So yeah. Yeah. True. Anything else about the uh, spoiler zone that you want? Uh, we had another, you know, when Peter was a child type moment, except this time he didn't say he, he doesn't remember that. So, um, well, the thing about the coin, you know, yeah. when, when, uh, Oh no, that's not, that's coming up in episode Next 20, episode. I think. Yeah yeah. 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 See, I knew I shouldn't have watched that. But uh, it's a fair <laughs> game in the spoiler zone, guys. Right, so, right, uh, right. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I mean, still, that when she first crosses over 
that still like just blows my mind every time I see it. You know, yeah, that's just yeah. that's so great. And like when you first realize what's happening, you're like, oh man, that's just so like the, the, how the, especially they they do it. That first time she walks into Bro's office, it's just like, oh, you've redecorated, you know. And we're like, you know, how he reacts to it, like that's kind of weird. Like, is yeah. comment on it, you know? Um, and then you're like, oh, it's because it's the other broils. I'm like, it's just so smoothly done. It's just, ah, just great. Yeah, and all of which leads up to that scene on the street when she sees the city in flames. Right, right. And you're like, oh my God. Like, cause at this, by this point, you know, I mean, if you've seen it before, we totally know what she's seeing is, is the alt world there, but still that's, well, that's right. Wild. And then, well, you know, in episode 20, that, that city scene that if you had any doubts that there's an alternate universe and that you're in New York city. Yeah. Then, Yep, 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 and uh, we, we'll we'll leave that for, because yeah. that that is a because that's how we roll. Yeah, that's how we roll. <laughs> but there, yeah, certainly the the very end of episode twenty is is kind of a mind blower, a wow, a wow scene. Yeah. So, all right, you want to leave it there? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe. Anything else going on in your genre TV world? Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about the season one finale, episode 20 of Fringe. But until then... You know, Dave, after I listened to our you know discussion of uh, Doctor Who... And the uh, the sea devils. I, I just had to wonder. Are, you're sure you haven't had any LSD? 